0: You are listening to Proved Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, welcome to
1: Proved Text. This is a Grammar Point episode and I'm Michael Halcombe here with Fred Long. Fred's been giving us some insight and wisdom on participles and we're going to continue that. I think this is the sixth episode. Um or part in terms of our participles um, episode. So, Fred, where are you heading in this episode?
0: I'd like to continue looking at circumstantial use or what has been called adverbial use of the participles. By far, this is the most common use, although I think we need to move away from calling them adverbial participles because by that name, it's like we're assuming that they carry adverbial meanings. And in fact, by definitions, participles don't carry that meaning. Mm. Uh, they are unmarked for adverbial senses. The only marking they have besides person, number, and gender, is is then tense and, and, and voice. So tense may have something to do with adverbial sense in terms of time. Participles at most have relative time and certainly don't carry absolute time, um, but it's a matter of, of argue, arguing from context. And if it's a matter of arguing from context, then it means that they don't inherently ha- have that uh, mm. that sense. So I put forward, as I explained last time, an informational structural approach to participles based on whether they occur before the main verb or after the main verb. And here again, we're talking about circumstantial participles. They don't have articles with them. Most of these are going to be in the nominative case, indicating that they agree with the subject of the verb. And last time we looked at uh, pre nuclear or, or fronted uses, which are segue, framework, or procedural. And those have to do with how far away from the verb they are or what kind of sense. The participle has in relation to the information structure, uh, but this time I want to look at post-nuclear or post-position participles. That is, participles that are circumstantial that occur after the main verb. And here, there's uh, these uses. There's only well, there's three of these uses. I've named two of them in my books, but I'm adding a third one right right now. And in my research, I've added a third one. And the first one is usually directly found after the main verb, and it's called a redundant use. And often we see it in expressions like, he said, saying. Yeah. Saying is is redundant and adds stress or emphasis to what is being said and what follows. It's a way to keep, it's a way to tee up what follows as particularly important. I've also found instances of thinking and doing, you know, he thought thinking he did doing.
1: So So some people would argue that's a Semitism. Do you think that's the case or no?
0: I don't think so. Um, I think it happens in in language use. I think, I think it was Rungi who cited uh, that this happens in Homeric discourse, you know, so I think it's just a language phenomenon so, you know, just because it happens in Semitic literature and you know, it's also happening in Greek literature. So um, mm. this kind of redundant, this redundant usage. I don't know why it would be a Semitism because there it uses infinitives, right? Um, yeah, I like don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it uses yeah. participles. So yeah, Hebrew does it with, with infinitives. So I, I don't think so. I th- I think it's just a, a language thing. So the mm. first one. It occurs right after the main verb when it's redundant to it. It's called redundant use, and that's for providing an important uh, point, like a distress that what follow what's said and what follows is important. Uh, there is uses of thinking and doing as well. So that's, that's a pretty easy one, redundancy. Whenever you repeat something in a language, you're, you're adding some stress to it. The next use is a little bit farther out from that verb, and it's called explanatory. And and in this case, when you when you make a statement and then you add a participle statement afterwards, you're you're explaining more dimensions of that. Now, one of my favorite examples of this is in Ephesians um, five nineteen uh, and and what follows five nineteen and twenty and even twenty one. Uh, Paul just commanded in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And then in verse 19, 20, and 21, you have five participles uh, that are expounding on what that looks like. He says, Mm -hmm. verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, or singing psalms in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. That's a participle, giving thanks. Um and uh, so each of those participles, speaking and singing and psalming and giving thanks, those are explaining what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. So that's the thir- uh, second uh, post-nuclear use. Now the fifth participle here in verse 21, I, this is always my favorite example to use, suggests and is an instance of another use of post-nuclear use and that is what I'm going to call transition, transitional. It transitions to the next topics. And that fifth participle there, dangling off of be filled with the Spirit, is submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And this is really significant because the submission comes out of being filled with the Spirit and here transitions into the next discussion that Paul makes of wives submitting to their own husbands, etc. Now, it's transitional because, in fact, the verb submitting in verse 22 isn't even found there. It's, it's borrowed from that participle in verse 21, which is dependent on being filled with the Spirit. So this is just a real clear instance that a post-nuclear position participle can function informationally as a transition. And I think this occurs quite a bit, actually, in argumentative discourse in the New Testament. So if you see a post-position participle, either it's going to be redundant, which is pretty easy to spot, or it's going to be explaining more details about the main verb, or if it is going to take up some theme that's going to be further developed in what follows, that is, it's functioning as a transition. Hmm. Well, wow,
1: yeah, that's really helpful. Um, doesn't seem so threatening. <laughs> A no, lot of people find know. participles threatening and overwhelming, but yeah, it's really helpful. Well, uh, thanks for the insight, Fred, and thanks to you for listening. We looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level. We here at Glossa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit Glossahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. House, language resources for the global community.